People deluded, I'm back again. Thank you very much for tuning back in. And as usual, welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast, the DG Podcast, the Really and Truly Podcast, whatever you want to refer to it as. I'm just appreciative that you're here supporting. So please make sure you're following on all the streamers, stream websites, them, especially Spotify. Make sure you're hitting the like buttons or anything. Do what you can to drive engagement. I always say this, can't imagine you don't know already, but you know the bulk of my content is on YouTube. So Deluded Gooner on YouTube, Deluded Gooner 04 and all the socials. I'll remind you at the end. But yeah, man, I hope you're all doing well and safe. And, you know, welcome back to those of you who have taken a, a couple of weeks off in relation to football content and kept yourself out the loop and used it to do other things. Now, depending on the result of Arsenal-Liverpool tomorrow evening, I don't know what I'd say, but on, at this moment in time, you know, we always cry when the Premier League season's underway. Oh, I can't wait till it's done, this, that and the other. And when the international break comes ahead, you know, we all want our teams to return. Um, and like I said, hopefully that's the case for Arsenal come, I would say this time tomorrow, but pardon me people, it's early. Um, <clears throat> I'd say this, this, this time Sunday, to be fair with you, really, you know. Hopefully we get a win. But yeah, man, I hope you're all doing well and safe. Premier League action is back. In fact, all action is back, really. I know certain divisions never stop playing. And for me, you know, I've been really unimpressed with what I've seen on show in the in the um in the international break. I think the most exciting thing I've probably I've probably seen is Werner's miss, you know. I feel so sorry for Timo Werner at this point, you know. Um, um, Germany big defeat to Macedonia, I believe. Was it Macedonia? I'm sure Pandev scored, I could be wrong. But um terrific goal um um to do some there's some been some some terrific goals on display, you know. Like I said, the Germany game was a shocker. Timo Werner's confidence is shot and that's mistake he made was terrible. Talking about mistakes, you know, from one missed chance, you know, the goalie to the other, from from one person to the other, you know, I'm sure you all saw the Spain game. Who did Spain play? I can't even remember who Spain played, but I'm sure you're all seeing Unai Simon, their goalkeeper. I'm sure you're all seeing the viral moments of him just aimlessly coming off his line in absolute no man's land, and it's a terrific strike from from the lad who scored against Spain, but. It was a terrible moment of play. So I've seen some terrible stuff over the over the international break. Um, I haven't been impressed with the Under-21s Championship. I'm still going to watch it. I've got some games to catch up on. But in relation to England, you know, I'm surprised that I'm still making this podcast and Eddie Brufroyd isn't gone. You know, I've got, you know, full of admiration for anyone that's served, you know, been a Premier League manager and, and actually managed their country at any level. But, I mean, the writing was on the wall. Not to be critical, but again, you know, similar to Gareth Southgate, and we're going to see it as well. You know, you look at England, there's not really been a set... Under-21s at the moment, people. There's not really been a set way of playing. There's not been a set system, and then there's not been a framework in place for the players to come in and stuff. It's just been, like we all know, with full internationals, you know, just a bunch of individuals and just A.D. Brufford just clumped them together and assumed, you know what, you play for Palace, you play for Burnley, you two are at Arsenal, you're at Chelsea, you're playing week in, week out for Everton, you're doing this for Sheffield United in Ramsdale work it out and on one hand they should be able to work it out but on the other hand can you be surprised there's no fluidity and it and it's, it's you know any like the England national team any time you come you can you can beat these small boys and these rubbish teams and stuff with respect to these San Marinos and things but any time you play a decent team at under 21s in England's level a team that understands you know tactically and stuff like that a manager that's had time to implement them sort of stuff they struggle and they've been struggle what I've seen from these three games with England at under 21s level was no 
Word of a light was shocking and appalling. Going into the game, A.D. Boothroyd in competitive games was on a bit of a losing streak. He's continued that, you know, they won, but it means nothing really and truly. You know, the late strike for Croatia, they had to win 2-0, you know. And England, even in that game, you know, you had a penalty, you didn't do much. Obviously, a late strike from Curtis Jones off the top of my head. It looked like we was going through and then a terrific strike from Croatia. There was a bit of unsavoury scenes. Um, you know, the Portugal game conceding late goals and being stupid. The game, the first game, terrible as well. It was just a terror. It's just a shambles. And now England are out. They don't advance to the next round. They had one chance and they're out now, really and truly. And for Arsenal, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe picked up a knock. So now you're a bit peed off. And especially going into the Liverpool game, we're a bit short of options now. It is what it is in that regards. But England were terrible. Um, A.D. Boothwood needs to leave. You know, I always say it. You can't at all levels for England, from senior down to under-16s and under-15s training camps. We can talk about the fact that the concrete jungle players are getting a look in, you know, the Jaden Sanjos, the Ezes, these at all levels, these sort of players who, you know, they either weren't taking a chance on or these sort of, ex the form of the expression that they play football with was coached out of them. Now it's all deranged, the Phil Foldens, the Sanjos, the Sterlings, you know, there's bare names. There's no point having these guys if you look at the manager and the manager is the status quo with all due respect at all levels is if the manager is the status quo again you need a manager that has bravery you need a manager that's innovative you need a manager that understands he has exciting players and wants to facilitate that we don't have that at any level really you know let me not lie i believe from under you know i, I actually believe uh, uh, up until under 20s from under 16s to 20s I, I, i've got nothing but admiration for all the coaches and coaching staff involved at st george's and for england's youth team but at 21s to uh, the, the two senior teams 21s and first team it's a joke it's a joke it really is a joke and if Gareth, if if AD, if AD Boothway keeps that job, there's a serious problem, people. It's a shambles, an absolute shambles and, and stuff like that. Yeah, there was no Mason Greenwood to call upon. Yeah, he couldn't use Saka or Folden, people that are illegible. You know, I'm sure there's a couple other names we could throw in. Jude Bellingham might have got some experience playing there. I don't know. I think it's better him staying with the first team. You know, I'm personally of the belief, you know. I get it because the Spanish boys and everyone else does it. They bring their players, players that have kicked on past this level, they bring them through. I won't go as far as to say Jude Bellingham has left the under-21s level because he's not a main sort of guy like that within the England setup. But for me, I'm, I'm of the belief when a man advances like that, I don't see the... I see the point in if you, in theory, was to call up Bakayo Saka, Mason Greenwood, Phil Foden, all of these other guys. I get it, yeah, I get it. But for me... I think in the grand scheme of things, it don't help us. When you've got people that have kicked on like Saka, Folden, to a degree Greenwood before the nonsense, I feel you might as well give opportunities to other people really and truly. You know, it was a it was a terrible, it was a terrible tournament and really a lot of these players are overrated at under-21s level. The first team weren't much better, you know, we played Poland and yeah, you know, we, we turned it around, we got the result, we got the three points in the World Cup qualifier but it's already what we know and similar to what I've said with the 21s. Anytime you play a half, you can smack up these part-timers with all due respect to San Marino because they are, you know, they're always... There's always fancy documents how, yeah, I'm a teacher today in the evening, I'm going to play Arsenal. You're playing, not only are you playing part-timers, you're playing part-timers that have been in fact impacted via COVID, so they're not fit. So there isn't, you can't take any pride from that, really and truly. You can't, really. That game flattered everyone. Everybody looked wavy. But anytime you play a half-decent side, we struggle. We don't convince and there's more question marks than others. For me, you know, 
again, at this moment in time, I, we probably do know the system Southgate wants to play, but I would have thought we would have seen a system, seen a framework, seen the majority of the players that actually are going to form of what he wants to use. But instead, there's too much of a question mark. There's too much experimental things going on, you know, and I can't see how it's going to change in time of the Euros. I can't see Southgate getting back in it. I personally believe, you know, Southgate has, has got togetherness within that squad. I think he's a good guy and I think they play for him, but that extra added tactical stuff and the bravery and, and to take us to the next level. I don't think he possesses that and I think it's going to be highlighted in the Euros. In relation to the Poland game, it reflects the England squad, you know, moments of good, moments of bad, moments of ugly, you know, individual mistakes, making games harder than it needs to be. When a team presses us or has some sort of tactics, we struggle to get out and really play convincing and we're hit with a culture shock. Um, so, yeah, man, I haven't learned too much. I didn't know about England already at, the, at, at this level. And it is quite upsetting, really, because there's more question marks than answers, really. Like, who is going to really be the midfielders? Who is going to be that centre-half partnership? Jones and Maguire, probably. You know, arguably, who's going to be the first-choice left-back? I believe it should be sure. You know, who is, once again, who's getting in that midfield? There's too much chock block And, you know, again... Yes, the, the squad was impacted by injuries and stuff. You know, the Madisons, the the, the, the Grealishes, these sort of guys were not involved. Um, so it is what it is. For me, I was thinking about it the other day, you know, I, I'll probably do it in video form. I'm not too sure who my 23-man squad would be for the UEFA Championships. And there's talk of UEFA extending the squad, actually. Um, I think Defo shoes in on the plane. I know there's been a lot of talk about Madis. You can't have Madis. You know, not, not that you can't, but, you know, Grealish, Madison, Mount only one can go I don't think Southgate would because I think he's going to go for the more sort of pure central midfielders but I think he could take all of them you know I think you know Grealish can play you don't have to play everyone in every game Grealish can obviously play Cam in a, in a flat midfield as well and he can play on the left Mount for me if, if Southgate had any real source you know I think you go I think you play Mount deeper personally I think you go Mount slash Grealish or folding in that 10 and then you get a Henderson or a Declan Rice in there obviously they're less glamorous they're putting a foot in it gives a bit of balance I think that should be one of the options but realistically we know at our best we're going to see Henderson, Rice, one of these sort of what I call pure central midfielders and at a best a 10 and then if you see a 10 like folding you're not going to see Grealish on the flanks you're probably going to see Sterling no disrespect to Sterling because it is where it is my point being I don't think Southgate is making brave decisions so I actually don't think he's going to take Madison, Mount and Grealish even though I think they all should be if I had to pick two of the three you know with a heavy heart I'd lean more towards Mason, Mount and Grealish because I think Mount is underrated I think Mount you know can play in a couple of roles you know I want him to play, primarily play central um, Grealish has got the X factor I'm not saying Madison don't and like I said I'd take all of them but I think the Southgate's lacking minerals I don't really feel any of the players you got called up necessarily took their chances. I can't personally, I don't understand how Conor Cody's there. It's just it's just screaming to me. Southgate just likes people. We can tell, you know, be there at 7.30, they're there at 6. You know, there's not people are not there on merit, really. There's not a healthy mixture of people there on merit and people there on form. And for me, really, I've got no hope for England. I like Southgate. He's a cool guy and the rest of it, but... I just think he's lacking the minerals to take this 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 thing to the next level. And like I said, we can we can talk until we're blue in the face about how exciting it is, how we've got you know Noni Maduke, you know all of these other guys on the cusp of getting calls up and things like that. Um, <clears throat> you can have all of that, but you need a manager who's on this thing and. I don't know, man. I don't know if I trust Southgate with Foden, Green, Greenwood, Saka, all of these sort of guys for the future. 
that's not my decision to make. But yeah, man, enough ranting about England because that's just what I've seen. Like I said, man, I'd implore you all to type on YouTube, Unai Simone, and look at his mistake and also Werner's miss. Um, so yeah, man. And also in the under-21s game, I'm sure you all saw the unsavoury scenes at the end. You know, Curtis Jones, bloody nose. It looked like Brewster was on the swingers. You know, I would be too. You seem to not be able to get game time for under-21s or first team. I'd be angry too. But it is where it is in that regards, people. Um... Yeah, I'm not gonna cap. I'm not even gonna sit here and cap to you, lot of people. There actually isn't that much to talk about, really and truly, in the grand scheme of football, people. So we might as well review the Premier League or, or preview the Premier League. As you lot know, we're back, people, and there's some interesting fixtures. Obviously, the games are coming thick and fast for for play for for teams, people. Especially if you're in European competition. Next week, we'll, as you lot know, is Champions League business and Europa League, and we'll go through that on Monday slash Tuesday's edition of the Deluded Podcast and get through that. But for now, in relation to the Premier League action to come, people, um, it's an interesting one. Obviously, I'll start with the big one of the weekend, people. You've got Arsenal versus Liverpool. That's going to be a very interesting interesting game, people, as you lot know. Obviously, they beat us 3-1 at their place. It's 7th versus 9th. All I want to see minimum is bravery. You know, I don't want to see us. I, I want to see bravery. I want to see if you start well, end well. Not starting well and then ending shaky or starting slowly and then ending strong. So we can say if that never happened in the 20th minute and this, that and the other, you know, play the occasion, not the team. Respect Liverpool. Don't disregard their form to a degree. You know, in, 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 in a degree that they're not Liverpool of last year. Let's have a goal. They've got injuries. They've got loss of form. You've got question marks over everybody. Go and have a chance. But don't lay, lead that to complacency. It seems like Arsenal struggle for balance. We're either way too respectful or, or extremely naive where the truth is in the middle. You know, they went into the international break unlike us with a victory. And I'm sure Jurgen Klopp privately is not prepared to give up top four domestically. Maybe he's even wants a bit of momentum going into the Real Madrid game where many people might say that could be Liverpool's only glimmer of hope this season because top four, just taking it on face value for what Klopp said, he said it's not going to happen, you know. Retaining the Premier League is not going to happen. You're in Real, you're playing Real Madrid in the Chaps. So, it is what it is in that regards. It's going to be a tough one. We're at home. So I would like to see it react uh, a reaction in such. Like I said, I just want to I just want to see bravery first and foremost. People like have a goal, have a sh like we the one the last game we respected them way too much for the first well the whole game really, but the first 20, 30 minutes were very hard to watch. You know I want to see us follow our runners. You know all this stuff that you know you watch that game. We didn't take the chances we had the minimum chances. We didn't follow runners. We switched off when we took the lead within five minutes where you conceded two two goals or so. We let Yota come and get his debut goal. So again, all they need to do is watch the other game and they'll learn people. It's seventh versus ninth. If Arsenal win and results go other ways, you can't do too much. We're on 45 points, but it puts things into perspective, really. You know, you'd have Spurs on 48. Liverpool would be a point in front of us on 46. This all depends on what happens with Spurs and Everton and those. But again, you know, with with so many games left to play, you give yourself half a chance, really and truly. So, again, and we'll know exactly where we'll stand come the end of the day because we're playing last. So, it's up to these boys, man. Like, I don't need to sit here and bore you lot with the, the fighting talk and the tactical breakdowns and stuff. We're at the business end of the season, people. 
You know, Arsenal won this fixture 2-1 last season and we're looking to beat Liverpool in consecutive league home games for the first time since April 2015. Liverpool have won just two of their last 20 away games against Arsenal, losing nine and drawing nine. The last time they won was 4-3 in August, September, in, in, in August 2016 and in 2011, 2016 as well, people. So make of that what you will. Um, away from that as well, um, no Premier League, no fixture in Premier League history has seen more goals than Arsenal versus Liverpool. It has 166. 94 of those have been scored by Liverpool. That's the most the Gunners have shipped against a single opponent in the competition. Arsenal versus Liverpool has seen more hat-tricks scored than any other fixture people. As you lot remember, Thierry Henry, Arshavin, Peter Crouch, Firmino, Fowler, everybody's netted in it, people. Arsenal have only won, have, sorry, Arsenal have lost just one of their last eight Premier League home games. Um, we have not won back-to-back -back home league games since our first two of the season against West Ham and Sheffield United, which, again, you look at them, we needed... We needed Eddie and Ketia to save us before stoppage time against West Ham and Sheffield United. We needed a second half. So again, that kind of reflects what I've been saying in that we need to play well for full 90 bravery. If Liverpool are to win, let it be because of the quality of some of those players. For Thiago, if it's Salah, Mane, Firmino, let it be because these players are Premier League winners. Don't let it be because we've lost the ball at one end. We've been counter-attacked. People are not following runners. People are switching off. Keeper could have done better. Playing people offside. Don't let it. Don't cheat yourselves. I say this every week. Will these players cheat themselves? Time will tell people. But again, that's the, we need to get victory and it's as simple as that. I'll, I'll take a point personally, but a point, if we're real with ourselves, people, a point helps neither team. It doesn't help Liverpool get closer to the top four. It doesn't help us just trying to finish as high as we can for respectability purposes, people. Um, so, yeah, that's Arsenal versus Liverpool. Leicester versus Manchester City is also a tasty one. First versus third, 56 points in third place. Leicester take on 71 points. Manchester City people in first. You know, City have been bulldozer insides. I guess the form of Kelechi and Nacho can give Leicester some hope. And again, when you're playing your former clubs, there's always sort of coming back to haunt you element. Um so let's see what happens in that regards, people. Leicester are looking to complete their first league double over Manchester City since the 1986-87 season. As you lot remember, people, I, well, I can't remember the 86-87 season. I was on bottom of 95, baby. But if you lot remember, at the Etihad, Leicester smacked them up, smoked them, absolutely cooked them. Counter-attacking play, Man City couldn't match. And Manchester City look a different team than many people are, are singing Pep Guardiola's praises. Them times there, they were saying he's finished, he's this, he's that the other you know this this is how segments change and this is why i always i'm a fan of having your opinions but all that really matters is where man start in august and where man start in may because i mean finishing may because there's a lot of wishy-washy sort of stuff um, apparently leicester are looking to complete their first league oh, i already said that apologies people it's early manchester city have have um alternated between sorry manchester city have alternated between Two defeats and two victories in their last four Premier League games away against Leicester people. They won 1-0 last season in this exact fixture. Um, and apparently, you know, Leicester, as you lot know, they won 5-2 in September, people. No side has ever scored six league goals in a single season against a side managed by Pep Guardiola. Now, Pep Guardiola's side have obviously improved dramatically defensively and that game might have been a turning point for them. So this is going to be an interesting one from the neutrals to see. Manchester City have conceded just eight away goals in the Premier League this season, with Tottenham in November the only side to score more than once at home to the citizens this season. Leicester could become just the fourth team to complete a league 
double over a side managed by Pep Guardiola, people. Anyone guessed, hazard a guess as to who the other three sides are, provided Leicester became the fourth? I'll give you a clue. I'll give you one. Manchester United. And I'll give you a lot of clue, people. Two teams, you could say, a, a random clue you won't get. Two teams that are co connected indirectly through their admiration of Portuguese managers and players. I was just going to say through the love of the Portuguese, but then I thought that would have made it diff uh, too difficult. Hopefully that's giving it to you. I'm going to give you like five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. That is the second answers to go with Manchester. Wait, I've lost it. The page. Apologies, people. The second the, se the second and third teams to go with um, Manchester United, people. You've got Chelsea, who did it in 2016-17. And you've obviously got Manchester United and Wolves, who done it last season. So you've got Chelsea, Manchester United and Wolves, who have all completed doubles over Pep Guardiola side people that's going to be a very interesting game away from that though you've got Leeds against Sheffield United we've got Sheffield United next week and I'm sure Sheffield are trying to pattern up we know Chris Wilder's gone they sit rock bottom in the in the Premier League they're 20th I'm sure Leeds would want to take points because the Leeds are breathing down Arsenal's neck they're 11th place people assuming they win then they move above Leicester they move above Aston Villa temporarily provided Aston Villa do have two games in hand and they'd move above Arsenal, people. So, again, the table is getting tight, people. So, hopefully, Sheffield can do a job. Sheffield United are a poor team and I expect them to go down. Hopefully, Maitland-Niles can do a job for Arsenal as his side, West Brom and Jalbion, who are all but relegated people, travel to Stamford Bridge to, to play Thomas Tuchel. Now, we all know it's going great for Thomas Tuchel. They're keeping clean sheets. Collectively, they're playing well. Individually, players are performing, you know, Probably not playing to their potential in front of goal wholeheartedly, um, but you know it's all on the it's all on the goal, people. As you lot know, Chelsea are unbeaten in their last seven Premier League meetings with West Bromwich Albion people. Um, as you lot know, this was a free free this was a free free draw this game this season in the reverse fixture people after Chelsea came from three 0 down. West Brom are actually winless in their last fifteen away games against Chelsea people. Um, Chelsea have won their last 11 Premier League games against sides in the relegation zone by an aggregate score of 31-40. This was since losing 1-0 to Bournemouth in December 2015. West Bromwich Albion have won just 10% of their Premier League games in London, people. It's crazy. And you'd imagine Chelsea would score because Chelsea have had five goalless draws in the Premier League this season with three of those coming in 10 matches under Thomas Tuchel. Um, only in twenty, it, only in 1998-99 and 2000-2001 have the Blues had more nil-nil draws in a single Premier League campaign. I expect them to score, but I had to bring that one to you people. I expect them to run riot. I'm not going to lie. I expect 3-4 against West Brom from Chelsea. Hopefully Maitland-Niles can put in a convincing performance. You've got Southampton against Burnley as well, people, which is a, a decent one for the match of the day highlights. I'm not going to sit here and cap people. That's due to be an interesting one. Newcastle, who again, hella pressure on them, hella pressure. They play Tottenham Hotspur. T Tottenham travel to Newcastle and play them on Sunday in the Sunday afternoon kickoff. As you lot know, sixth place Tottenham Hotspur, 48 points. They know they know what they need to do because before that, Liverpool obviously play us who are on 46. You've got West Ham who are a point ahead of them on 49. And I'm sure, you know, you can all, you have to take everybody seriously, but I'm sure Chelsea, um, Tottenham's immediate target is Chelsea, you know. 
Spurs are on 48, Chelsea are on 51. And again, everybody's hoping everybody that's trying to get top four drops points. So we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. For Steve Bruce, provided he doesn't win, there's gonna be more pressure. Hopefully, Joe Willock afford uh, well, current Arsenal boy, Arsenal Loney can have something to say, people. Spurs have won four of their last five Premier League matches. That's as many as they had in their previous 15 in the competition, people. Away from home, Spurs have won two of their last three league games as well, people. That was more than their previous eight on the road Newcastle have won just two of their last 18 Premier League games people since winning back-to-back league games against Crystal Palace and West Brom no team has both scored and conceded in, in more different Premier League home games this season than Newcastle with 11 each of um, Newcastle's six Premier League home games in 2021 has seen both sides score Tottenham have won each of their last three Premier League away games against Newcastle since they lost 5-1, as you lot remember, on the last day of the 2015-16 season. Newcastle have lost five of their last six Premier League home games against Spurs. That's more than they had in their previous 26 against them in the top flight. So you probably can't look anything past a Tottenham Hotspur win you've got Manchester United against Brighton hopefully Graham Potter's men and Danny Welbeck can can haunt Ole Gullis players Brighton have never won away at Manchester United in 12 attempts people Manchester United have won each of their last five meetings with Brighton in all comps 23% of the goals scored in the Premier League meetings between these two sides have been from the penalty spot so Bruno Fernandes is going to be in luck people Brighton have been playing well of late and they're looking to win three consecutive Premier League games for the first time since 2018. Manchester United are looking to keep five consecutive Premier League clean sheets for the first time since August 2017. What manager was that? I think the the, the date gives it away. It's Jose Mourinho, people. So hopefully, man, hopefully Nokar and these guys can have something to say. Newcastle against Crystal Palace. Can Zaha remind Everton why they were so keen on buying him? Everton are kind of having a bit of a wobble to describe it nicely. But they're actually unbeaten in their last 12 in the Premier League with with Crystal Palace people. They've not done the double over them since 2004-2005. Palace have, have lost their last three away games against Everton people. Four of Crystal Palace's five Premier League um, wins against Everton have been at Goodison Park, however, people. Everton have lost seven of their last 11 Premier League home games, people. So that might tell you something. Crystal Palace don't keep many clean sheets, though. Crystal Palace have kept just one clean sheet in their last 18 Premier League away games, people. Make of that what you will. Also, closing up the week, you'd have Wolves against West Ham. As we know, West Ham are challenging for Europe. You know, West Ham, I'm sure they won't be happy of of having being three 0 up against Arsenal and dropping all, dropping three points and having to dropping two points better yet and having to settle for one. So I'm sure they want to take revenge. Or Wolves, you know, fifth place West Ham against thirteenth place Wolves. Wolves haven't been quite get, gathering the admirers as they previously have in previous seasons. Wolves have lost just one of their last eight home games in the top flight against West Ham. West Ham are looking to complete their first league double over Wolves since 1922-23, which was in the second division, people. So make of that what you will. West Ham have actually won three of their four Premier League games played on a Monday this season, people. So the next deluded podcast will be Tuesday, the same day as the Champions League. Just giving you a lot of time to slap that in your reminders, folks. So to once again hone in on the fixtures that welcome back the return of the Premier League. Chelsea play West Brom. You've got Leeds against Sheffield United. You've got Leicester City against Manchester City. 
Arsenal welcome Liverpool to the Emirates, Southampton against Burnley, Newcastle against Tottenham, Aston Villa against Fulham, Brighton travel to Manchester United, Manchester United versus Brighton, Everton versus Crystal Palace, um, which is on the Monday. Apologies as well, people at six o'clock and the last game of the Monday 8.15 sees Wolves play West Ham United so make of that what you will obviously we'll review it for next week's podcast but you've got the Champions League and the Europa League coming back into play one has to wonder fitness levels people um one has to wonder fitness levels because as you lot know the games have been chock-a-block anyways. We've had international period and now they're back into it really and truly, you know. They're playing... Some men have got two games in quickly, you know. If you're... I don't know. I don't know. Who's a player that's played twice? Again, I just let's just say you're Luke Shaw. You've played for England. You've got to play for Man United on, on the Saturday, Sunday. You've then obviously got to play midweek in a big clash in the Europa League and then you've got action on the Monday as well. Uh, on top of that, you've obviously played internationals and you've had a busy season. I'm sure Shaw, for example, wants to go, but to use him as an example, you've then got the Euros. Again, one has to wonder how much time players next season are going to have to recover physically. One has to remind, remind ourselves as well, mentally, when are they going to get to recover and obviously pre-season is going to be a disaster from all tactical from all standpoints I believe for all for all clubs assuming people get called up because there's a bunch of tournaments you've got forgive me if I'm wrong you've got Copper America you've got Euros um I'm sure you've got something else in another region. Um, it get Olympics as well you know again you need to rest play people need to rest um as well again so you can make you can see how difficult this is if you're trying to sell players, bring in players, do things tactically. And when you get all over all of that, forgive me if I'm wrong, did the Af African Cup of Nations change to the summer? If not, then next next January, what? There's the potential to lose El Nene, assuming all these countries have, have, have qualified. Egypt, so that means El Nene. Ghana, that means Thomas Partey. Gabon, that would mean Aubameyang. Pepe, that would mean Ivory Coast. I'm probably missing somebody else out. What? El Nene, Pepe, Partey. Abamian, I don't think I am, but if I am, it is what it is. So, yeah, it's going to be a mad season next year for people, if I'm completely honest with you, and, fit, uh, and fatigue levels. Pardon me. So, moving into other news, people, the first thing I wanted to, sp I wanted to speak about um, is actually something that kind of... Con kind of correlates to what we were speaking about earlier apparently UEFA are considering whether to allow squads of more than 23 players at this summer's European Championships the matter was raised at Wednesday's executive committee meeting it was also confirmed a rule allowing five substitutes to be used per per team would be extended for the tournament that's fair I think that's good um Apparently, some coaches feel with the rising corona cases, um, bigger squads will be needed to cover the chances of positive tests within the camp, given there's no scope to postpone matches. Apparently, no decision has been made and it's not clear whether additional players would stay with the main squad or be placed on a standby list. It's on. It's one of a number of complications that still need to be worked on. Apparently, the governing body is due to receive guidance from each of the 12 host venues about their ability to host matches and potential crowd numbers by next Wednesday as well, people. So, so making that what you want. Keeping it short and sweet, the Premier League come the end of the season will be saying goodbye to a legend, assuming he doesn't sign for another club. Sergio Aguero has 
decided to call time on his Premier League time with Manchester City. You know, I'm not going to bore you lot, but what can we say? The man is a hallmark in the Premier League. You know, he'll long before he's left this earth, after he's left this earth, sorry, his name will be etched in Premier League eternity, um, Premier League history for eternity and Manchester City. You know, he's been a great, he's a bit, nothing short of a legend in it. You know, he's a legend. He's one of the biggest players, let's be real, to play for Manchester City. Um, and he's done it all. And at 32 years of age, I don't know why he wanted to leave. Did, did you know is it just he wants to try something new he's been linked with Barcelona and PSG these are things you you know you'd want to try um you know is it that is it a sporting decision Pepe said you're no longer first choice you know is it just I want to try something new is he not happy at City I don't know what I do know is you'd have to imagine they bring in a striker you know Haaland I know Pep Guardiola and Mino Rinola don't see eye to eye, but money talks, you know. If, if Mino Rinola gets his bank balance and, and, and my man Pep gets his striker, I'm sure they'll be cool. And it's not them two that will be negotiating. Um, it will be, you know, people on Mino's court and, and probably people above Pep's, Pep's head, which obviously would help. Of course, Haaland's got to talk to Pep before potentially signing, so that could be the tipping point. But I do think City have a great chance. Not just not not just because they they afford they they've got the money. I just feel you know his dad used to play for City. You know he's technically eligible to play for England, so there's that sort of affinity he want he, he once could have better yet, and and that sort of affinity there. Um, obviously the allure of the Premier League. Again, I would say as well if I'm Haaland, is that the pathway is right there in it. Like there's this you're a Pep Guardiola striker. You know and it's not Gab Jesus. I'm sure Gab Jesus might have something to say because again I don't necessarily feel you're his first choice but there's an opportunity for Haaland to be first choice obviously let's be real there's the Pep Guardiola factor again he's he you know Haaland's been doing everything the right way you know he was at he took his time in Norway he went to Salzburg you know he took his time he's found a good club in Dortmund where really there's no need to rush I'd even stay another year develop get importance not really any pressure you know and then the next step would be City where let's be real Pep Guardiola can improve you a lot as a footballer take him to the to the next level where he'd still be what you know he'd still be in his early 20s the Madrid's the Barca's these sort of clubs they'll still be on to you still be able to go there and things like that um so I think it would be good man and you know again I'm sure you've all seen apparently Mino and, and Haaland's father have been touring the club the Spanish clubs they've met with Real Madrid and Barcelona I guess putting the feelers out who knows if he'll move this year apparently Dortmund um, their, their, their presidents confirmed they spoke with Mino and apparently indirectly they want him to stay but apparently indirectly rumours are saying if Haaland is to leave this season it's for 150 million um, if not he's sitting on his hands for a year and to be fair with you I know Corona makes it tough but 130, 150 million for Haaland where you're going to get that back he's only going to improve you're only going to get a better player and more marketability and things like that I think it's easy money you know apparently PSG are saying 121 from 120 to 150 for Mbappe. These are, you know, if I had 300, if I was a big club and there's 300 million knocking about and, and FFP's really being relaxed, I'm trying to get both of them really and truly. You know, you look at some of the money some of these squads have built, um, have spent, you know, with all due respect to Real Madrid, they've tried to do the wonder kid thing. Uh, it ain't worked out, you know. What's the outlay of, of, you know, I'm not saying they've all had mixed success. I believe in Asensio, but has he become the player we all expected him to be? Probably not. Asensio, Ceballos, Odegaard, you know, um, Bale's been there. Again, maybe not necessarily young players, but Rodrigo over seniors, Junior, Hazard, Luka Jovic once upon a time. Melito, you know, all of this money, whether they're young or whatever, 
you know, you could have stacked that and just bought a quality player. You know, you look at Barcelona, you know, they want Depay and Wijnaldum. I'd, I'd, I'd be cool with Wijnaldum, but Depay, is, you're going to want to sell Depay in like a couple of years, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think, but personally, I think Barcelona need Haaland more than they more than Real Madrid purely because I just think Barca this is the worst Barca I've ever seen but you know I think Haaland can go anywhere that can afford him you know if you're PSG you want to get involved I think the only people who said they're not involved is Bayern Munich for whatever reason because they got Lewandowski but Lewandowski's getting on a bit and I say that he's still scoring goals um for me you know again if I'm if I'm a talented if I'm a team that wants to sign these lot for me it's Haaland or Mbappe it's whatever one I can get you know Mbappe might be listen I think they're both equally as good obviously Haaland's more of a pure nine I think people underestimate Haaland's link up play and his general play but they but I'm big fans of them both I love Mbappe I love Haaland you know if I, I, I'm trying to sign either one if I can't bag either one I think Haaland's the easier one to get because Dortmund are more of a selling club PSG obviously want to kind of keep their man a bit more. I think you go for 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 Martinez or something like that, and there probably will be some strikers on the move because you've heard Lukaku link with a move, Mbappe, Haaland, Aguero's moving. You know, Depay. If you want to just include that, Lacazette. Now I'm playing, but I think there'll be a lot of movements for strikers. So I'm keen to see what happens, and I think there's a lot of clubs that you know. It all depends. You know, Haaland for me, if it's a a, a a choice in the Premier League, you sign for you sign for me, you sign for Manchester City. Um, again, Man United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's there. Historically, United are a big club. They do have a pool, in my opinion. A lot of people don't speak about Chelsea. If I'm Haaland and I look at it, you know, Roman wants to win Champions League again. He wants to do a lot of things. Obviously, you've got Tuchel. He's obviously speaks German and has been in the Bundesliga. Kind of understands what you're trying to come with. And for me. Out of all of them, I, I wouldn't say Chelsea wants Haaland the most, but it seems that, you know, Roman has been most aggressive with it. The most rumours have been there. It seems like he really wants you, and that is something that could attract you. Of course, the London aspect is one. So anyone that can afford him, Chelsea, City, United, I think they can go for him. I think Liverpool need to scrape two pennies together and go for that, really. You know, I think they need to go for it, but I wouldn't include Liverpool per se. Um, but they are linked with legitly wanting Mbappe, so you could say that. Obviously, the two big boys in Spain, the big boy in, in PSG, you know, these sort of clubs, Juventus should take a chance, but I don't think Juventus are going to get Mbappe or Haaland. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. It's going to be an interesting summer. Um, Bale's been linked with a move away as well, people. And as you look, I'm only reiterating what he said in the week. Apparently, you know, he's he kind of he kind of took a dump on Spurs, really. You know, he, he's more or less said he didn't see himself staying at, Sp at Spurs for another year. He said... Um, there's, he did come out and say I wasn't trying to be disrespectful but he said I think the main reason I came to Spurs this year was to play football first and foremost going to the Euros I wanted to be match fit the original plan was to do a season at Spurs and after the Euros still have a year at a year left at Real Madrid my plan is to go back that is as far as I've planned so we'll have to see and shout to Bale for you know doing what he could leaving that elbow on that racist idiot player that plays for Czech Republic um, I'm not going to bore you lot but Salah's been linked with a move to Real Madrid and Barcelona. I think the bulk of that is coming because he wants a new deal. Um, maybe he wants pastures new at 28 years of age. Personally, I think when you look at Ronaldo, Salah and these sort of guys, I would want to move. You know, I'd be in, I'd enjoy what we've had, but you know, would I necessarily want to be there for the rebuild? 
Maybe because of my pride, I wanted to have a real aggressive sort of attempt at retaining the title. But I mean, a lot of them have been there for years now. They've won the title. They've won the Champions League. They've been part of history, helping Liverpool win it for 30 years. I, I can't begrudge them for wanting to move potentially to Barcelona and Madrid and try something new. The problem with Salah is, you know... He, they're going to have to put a lot of money on that table for Liverpool to, to get rid of him, really. And again, through COVID, through other things, really, you know, you're looking at, I would argue, 100 million. I would want, I'd pay no more than, a, I'd, I'd go in with 80 because they'll still be making a profit. I think Liverpool should settle no less for 100. If I was Liverpool, I'm asking for 130, one, one, anything for up to highest as one fifth. You might as well because we're going to need to replace Donny. Um, but the problem is, you know, at, at his age, he's 28, he's got a number of years. If you're going to do that, you more want to grab, you want to see if you can grab a Haaland or an Mbappe first and then go with Salah and maybe clubs are not going to take a chance. And definitely Real Madrid, after seeing what happened with Eden Hazard, who knows people, it's going to be an interesting one there, people. Really interesting one to see what happens. Um um, and also in other news as well, people, I believe the only other info I've got to wrap this up, people, Eddie Howe, a lot of people were saying he should be getting England job, England under 21s. He somehow blagged the Celtic role, people. He will be going to Celtic allegedly if, if paper paper talk is legit. Apparently, Eddie Howe is the clear favourite to become the next manager of Celtic with talks between the two parties at an advanced stage. The former Bournemouth boss, who is 43, has held discussions with the members of the club's board, including the majority shareholder, Dermot Desmond. As you lot know, Eddie Howe left um, Bournemouth in August 2020 um, at, at the end of the fight, the club's five-year stay in the championship. And that could be an interesting one. Tate will share with you, you know, Josh King. I'm sure you'll end your, your Everton loan and go there. You want to, you know, Eddie Howe, make sure you give us Eduard and things. It's a good move for him, you know. It's a good move. It, it's a bit like Rodgers in that, you know, he could go there, learn the tricks of the trades and, and, and stuff like that. I'd say with respect to Bournemouth because I, I want to be respectful to Bournemouth because they do have a they're a forward thinking club they do have a lot of expectations but let's be real you know Eddie Howe was a bit of like, a bit of Arsene Wenger there he took them through the leagues and he left and come back I don't really feel there was it, he only left because it became clear that something needed to change but. I just feel Celtic, there's expectations. Some of the things you're doing at Bournemouth, for obvious reasons, you can't do at Celtic. Or, you know, shareholders are looking at you funny. Fans are looking at you funny. Players are looking at you funny. Things are going to be scrutinised. And he spoke... Eddie Howe's name is always thrown into the ring for top jobs that he may or may not, according to who you are, deem he's qualified for. England, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United. Whenever these jobs have become available, his name's... I'm not going to sit here and say it's been the strongest name and the links have been there, but it's been thrown in. Leicester, it's been thrown in there previously when uh, Claude Powell left. Um, really, it's a good look for him, really. I think Celtic's decent. Obviously, you've got a massive task. Our Rangers are doing their job. You've got um, Steven Gerrard loving at the moment. But obviously, nine times out of ten, Celtic are in European football. So it's a good look for Eddie Howe. And one, he could get his feet wet, try to win a, Prem a Scottish Premier League title and all of those sort of things, people. So we'll have to see. So, yeah, man, football is back, people. I appreciate everybody who's taking in the deluded podcast on these 40-odd minutes. While I am insane when it comes to podcasting and, and content on Spotify... 
the the bread and butter of my content is on YouTube. So make sure you're checking that out. Deludiguna04 um, is all my socials. Deludiguna on YouTube, you'll find it. Twitch gang, Deludiguna187. I've got everything, man. So make sure you're checking that out. If you've not been able to catch what I've said, then all links are in the description. On that note, please stay safe. Enjoy your good Friday. Eat some good fish. And I'll see you all on my watch along. My Arsenal versus Liverpool watch along. Live from 7pm tomorrow evening. On that note, though. God bless people deluded. I'm out.